Our Lakeshore campaign features content that some viewers may find uncomfortable, including gun violence, drug use, and sexuality. For more detailed information, including full content warnings and transcripts, check out the show notes or our website, therealmscast.com. Previously on Many Realms Lakeshore. Our story begins in the metropolis of Lakeshore, sometime in the first half of the 20th century. Knox, a jazz musician, returns home after celebrating his birthday to discover a demon standing over a corpse in his bedroom. The demon Laxies tells Knox it's time to repay his debt and orders him to dispose of the body. Knox transforms into his demon-tainted form and begins the job. In the middle of Fairmont Park, Susan Starling holds a meeting of the Naturalist Society, an organization that serves as a cover for a group of women who hunt the demons that emerge in the park. Worried about increasing demon activity, Susan sets out on a hunt. Kitty Yanakis is managing a charity art gala when she sees a vision of imps attacking the party. She starts a small fire to clear the building and protect the guests. Photographer Roman finishes developing some film, then goes to meet Ileana, the self-appointed fey ruler of the Fairside neighborhood. Ileana asks Roman to obtain a mortal sacrifice for a ritual she will conduct at midnight. After Knox buries the body in the park, he is shot out of the sky by Susan, where he reverts to his human form as a disguise. Roman arrives and offers to escort him home, instead taking him to the site of the ritual. Knox prevents the sacrifice by threatening Roman's life and earns a debt from Ileana for sparing her before returning home. Hey, I'm Jory. I'm playing Kitty the Oracle, and it's the bee's knees to be here. My name is Eli. I play Roman, and it's the cast meow to be here. I'm Jillian. I play Susan the Hunter. It's the turtle's neck to be here. Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Knox the Tainted, and it's the elephant's manicure to be here. I'm hotshot reporter Jesse J. Johnson here live on the scene. Not going to say it's just plain aces to be here. Welcome to Many Realms. We are opening the next morning after a night of violence, chaos, confusion, madness, drama, demons, and deception in Fairmont Park. Susan, you wake up and come downstairs. You have been let the second floor, the sort of like attic floor of the residence of one Mr. and Mrs. Singh uh, in the Fairside district. Your living arrangements like fairly informal with them today because it's a nice Sunday morning. Uh, Mrs. Singh is cooking, and she's happy to make you a nice plate of breakfast, too. The radio is chirping merrily with some nice, upbeat tunes. The newspaper on the table says, Terror in Fairside. Bewinged devils spotted swooping overhead at the site of the Views of Fairside art gala. Susan rubs her temples because stuff like this in the news is bad news. She, she picks up the paper and, and asks, like, mind if I snag this? Oh, yes, it's uh, it's quite funny, isn't it? The crazy things these people write down. I have to tell you, Susan, not to uh, disparage your uh, colleagues, but I think some of the people in Fairside like to uh, get a little bit too excited at night and fill their head with wacky visions. And uh, they tend to not last, but this one seems to have made quite the impression. 
It seems it has. You rip out the, the newspaper article, you scarf down your breakfast, and Mrs. Singh says, so any plans for the day? Oh, you know, see the ladies. Maybe do some shopping. Okay. That's fine. Keep to yourself. We were going to play croquet, but no, you don't have to join us. No, just kidding. They're very nice to you. You are presumably not doing those things. No. What are you actually doing today? Going to my job. Right. Like I do every day. And especially if, if Roman was showing up in the park, then she needs something. And it's always the same thing. So I probably need to go get some. Hashtag sunshine. Some hash oil sunshine. So sunshine is a popular drug specifically among the factions of night and wild. It is produced near the docks kind of district. It's it's no secret that part of the production chain of sunshine is the illegal shipments that are smuggled onto the shores of Lakeshore at the docks by uh, criminal mastermind Rex Lemaire. And while he doesn't seem to be personally involved with that particular supply and demand, he's got his fingers in just about every pie this side of Lennox Spire. So, Susan, you know that your main contact, Louis, is always happy to supply you with sunshine once you turn over your profits from your last batch of deliveries. So you're going to make your way down there? Yeah, I do have to, like, go out the front door as Susan and then do a weird thing with my hair and then fetch my motorcycle so that I look like Simon. Yeah, you're like tucking your hair under your hat. You're putting on like maybe a vest and a tie over your shirt sleeves. And you are, yeah, getting your motorcycle out of like, I guess, the Sings laneway shed where they let you keep it free of charge. They're very nice folk. And you kick it into gear. It roars to life with a nice cloud of exhaust. And you cruise on down to the docks. It's not so bad in the docks in the daytime. It's mostly home to the night faction, vamps, werewolves, that sort of thing. And they uh, obviously leave the sunnier parts of the city alone. So you make your way unaccosted. Louis' kind of office is a little unadorned, sort of like warehouse admin building, kind of like adjoining one of the bigger complexes that runs on length of the docks. You step inside and uh, Louis is sleeping at his counter. He is a short man with dark skin and wild rumpled hair and he is snoozing and kind of has his overcoat draped over him like a blanket when you come in. It's about 10 a.m. and he tends to keep later hours. Knock on the counter. Order up. (laughs) (sighs) Simon, hello. Uh, How can I pleasure? I mean, what is your... uh, Hi. Hi, good morning. What's up? Just uh, picking up a new batch. Did... Did you call ahead? Did we arrange this? Oh, no. Apologies. Couldn't get to a phone. But I was hoping just this once it would be all right. Listen, listen. I don't want to come across as uh, standoffish this morning. Simon, you're a valued customer. Love it. Love it to bits. I think it might be best if you um, laid low a little bit and don't drop the uh, S word around these parts for the time being. Think you'd do that for me? For old Louie? Sure. You seem concerned. He is. Are you going to try to figure him out? Yeah. When you figure someone out, you're going to roll with mind. Nine. 
On a hit, hold two. On a seven to nine, they hold one on you as well. So you can uh, spend your holds, two of them, to ask a question. What does your character worry might happen? Louis, as you're kind of like uh, leaning over the counter and kind of giving him like the give it to me straight, Louis, he's sort of like, look, you know, sometimes there are um, 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 fluctuations in delivery patterns, uh, supply and demand. It's all very economical. I don't expect you to understand, but suffice it to say, the stuff's not here right now when I'm not in a position to go about asking for the stuff in question. How can I get your character to give me this stuff? Look, Simon, I mean, I'm not I'm not being a bad guy here. If I had the stuff, I'd give it to you. I'm a businessman. I like to do business with you. That's my whole thing. But I don't have anything. And I don't know when that's going to change. I mean, between you and me, Rex is issuing some orders at the docks. Uh, he's making some changes in protocols and uh, violently interrupted my supply chain. So until I can establish a uh, replacement that is satisfactory, I'm very sorry for the inconvenience. Don't worry, you're still going to get your Christmas card. Our relationship's fine, but, um, yeah. Well, that puts me in a bit of a spot. (laughs) You're telling me. Don't think my client's going to like that answer very much. I know you do the best business in the West End, but if it's not here, it's not here. Those are my questions. They get one on me as well. I think Louie would love to know if you could, like, keep your ear to the ground because you get around a lot more than he does. And if you hear any, like, word about this, let him know because maybe you could figure out some kind of deal that benefits both of you. All right. Well, no stuff isn't good for anyone. So if I hear something, I'll let you know. Appreciate it. Likewise, of course. I guess I leave to go snoop, investigate. Okay. Louie goes back to sleep. Kitty, you have returned home after your uh, kind of intense night at the Views of Fairside Gala. But of course, duty calls. You still need to be up early making a nice breakfast for your husband and your stepdaughter. I didn't want to bring up last week because already so much stuff is going on. But they exist and they love you. Well, your husband loves you. Well, um, you're making breakfast. Who can say? Yeah, I am making breakfast. I am making like a French toast sort of deal. Coffee is brewing. I have the kettle on because Betty doesn't like to drink coffee. And I have the radio playing. It's, I'm trying to feel chipper. I'm trying to get, bring up my own mood, if anything. Philip, your husband has finished getting dressed and he uh, saunters into the kitchen of your apartment. And he says, uh, change the station, won't you, Kitty? I hate that song. Yes, dear. Uh, what station do you want to listen to this morning? I tire of the news. Let's do something a little bit, um... Oh, they do Sunday morning opera. I really like that. Sure. I go and it's like some pretty melodramatic aria. Yeah. How's this? Oh, it's lovely, Kitty. Thank you so much. So I am go back to my cooking. Well, dear, what is your day looking like? Well, it's Sunday, of course, the Lord's Day, or whoever. So I have the day off. I thought maybe it'd be nice if uh, you, me, and Betty, dear, could maybe go for a walk in Fairmont Park or something like that. Oh, that actually sounds lovely. We could go sit by the water, feed the geese. Yes, that's just the thing. Now, tell me, Kitty, I was, of course, asleep by the time you got home last night, but how was the gala? I think 
am honest. Um, <laughs> Philip knows that I ha- I'm an oracle. I haven't kept that from him at all. Mm-hmm. So I tell him, I had a vision partway through the uh, gala that something would go wrong. So of course I had to protect all the people. I set a fire so that they would leave. It's good because nobody was hurt, but it's really going to kill my chances to get the chair's position next year. Kitty, the French toast, it's burning. Oh, oh dear, sorry. Um, and I pull it off. It's not that burnt, I hope. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And He's I just picky about his French toast. Serve the meal. There's a whole spread. Well, it sounds like that was quite a fright, but uh, at least it's all in the past now. Yes, I'm hoping that we can just work past it. And we did raise a lot of money for the friends of... Well, of course you did. There's no better philanthropist around than my dear Kitty. I think that's all I have Mm -hmm. to say to him. I go sit to eat myself and maybe call for Betty. Sure. Betty rolls up. She's still in her nightgown. It's coming up on like 1030. She's like, chill. It's Sunday. uh, And she has rumpled hair. And she comes down and just starts um, diving into, like, a stack of French toast. She seems ravenously hungry. Says, morning. Dear, please eat with your mouth closed. (laughs) Fine. Good morning. Good morning. Your father and I were talking about visiting the park today. Fairmont Park? Yes. That sounds great. Maybe I'll just stay home and work on my um, studies that I have to do today. You guys go on ahead. I give Philip a look like... Philip's like, nonsense, come off it, Betty. It'll be wonderful. We'll go into the park. I believe there were geese that needed feeding. (laughs) Can't feed themselves, Betty. Well, no, Betty. They've been raised in a human-centric ecosystem, and it has uh, deeply inhibited their ability to sustain themselves in this environment. It's actually quite the calamity, Betty. And uh, if you had paid attention in your geography and science courses, you would be aware of such an issue. What do you say, Betty? Will you... Betty kind of rolls her eyes at both of you and says, fine, I guess, yes, let's go. Give the ducks their daily bread. Uh, and you head off and bundle up and head off into Fairmont what Park. What month is it? It's late March, so you want like a jacket on. Yeah, okay. Zoom in on a bolo tie. Yes. Elegant, slender fingers tighten it uh, to the perfect length. And we zoom out as Knox looks in his mirror and marvels at his miraculous demonic healing of his horrible bullet wound and self-inflicted claw mark of just 12 hours before. Yes. So I don't know if you're interested in the small pile of money, the cigarettes, and the unmarked key that are now sitting on your dresser or in your sock drawer. Well, Uh, upon further examination of this key, is there anything, uh, like, is there any lettering or anything on it? Stamped into the black vinyl that's on the tag, it's pretty faint. It looks very worn down. There is a, a logo that looks familiar to you. It is a oak tree in a circle with like nice little decorative rings around it. And there's text at the top, although it's quite small and quite faded. You can make out the words Fairmont Park Naturalist Society. I'm assuming I know about the Naturalist Society. You were just there. Yes, I know. But I mean, like, that wasn't my first time being acquainted with it. You might you like know it in passing. I doubt you're very involved. Sure. You're um, more of like an indoor cat. Yeah, I'll head over. Okay. Then you head to the Naturalist Society in Fairmont Park. The front door is open. It's like a semi-public space. And a woman who has the clear energy of a pastor's wife is leading some children in fun round of nature songs. 
Another woman who is sitting at a desk in the corner and working on some paperwork stands up and smooths her skirt and steps over to you in the doorway and she says, Hello, are you having a good day? She's not one of the women that you met last night. Neither of these women are those two that were out with Susan. Sorry, what's... I'm trying to get a general lay of the land here. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I got this key. I'm assuming it's for... Is it one singular building? Is it a cluster of buildings? It It's one major building. They definitely own parts of, like, the property of the park. Like, they mm-hmm. have outbuildings, like uh, like a greenhouse and whatever, etc., that are mostly not used. But, like, when people say the naturalist center, they mean this, like, one large building. Uh, I'm just going to walk away from this lady. <laughs> I hate this. Okay, yeah, yeah. And try and examine the room. Oh, you're walking into the building. Yes. Okay, I thought you were like, no. You know, like, look, like, I'm walking with purpose and yeah. just be like, oh, you know, have a nice day. Sorry, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And just go in. I could have been an employee. Okay, is there, like, a front desk or anything? She just said hi to you. Well, I thought she was just, like, outside or whatever, just someone that was going by. She's, like, reception, yeah. essentially. Again, okay. it's, like, a very, like, unofficial... Okay. rewind. I moonwalk backwards. <laughs> um... Actually, uh, there's something I could use your help with. What might that be? Do you need to sign up for a program? Uh, no, I'm actually looking for somebody. I don't I don't have a name. Uh, he's an older gentleman, though. Uh, probably 50s. I give like a verbatim description yeah. of what he looked like. I, I'm terribly sorry, but I can't say I've seen anyone like that around here. No? No? I, well, he, he said that he was staff here, that he worked here, or at least that he comes through here. I'm misremembering right now, but I'm just, uh, if not you, do you know anyone that might? Is that, you know, I'm just trying to place him. I really need to sit down and talk to him. She, she's not sure. She's like, we have a custodian that comes in once a month, but he's half that man's age and half the height too. So I, I don't think that's the fellow you're looking for. I'm, Really sorry. I wish I could be of more help, uh, Mr. Oh, uh, it's Knox. Mr. Knox. Yeah, well, then, actually, you know, sorry, I didn't catch your name. What's your name? My name's Grace. You know, Grace, I actually, I really need a favor, okay? Uh, look, I got to find him. I don't have a name or anything, uh, but he gave me this key, and he just, do you know what Do you know what it goes to? So maybe I can leave it in the room for him or something? You're going to show her, like, the key and that it has the thing on it? Yes. Okay, and what are you trying to get her to do? I'm trying to get her to maybe identify where this key is for, and should she try and take it from me, I'm just going to say that I've been specifically told to give it to him in person. Okay, I think that you are persuading an NPC. Okay. I'm going to cash in my debt with Laxies uh, to give me plus three on this roll. Oh, hey, that seems good. Which I think you could have used, yeah. Yeah, uh, so... Nine. On a seven to nine, they are going to modify the terms or demand a debt. Okay. She takes a look and she says, uh, oh, I, I think I recognize this. I think her her play here is like, I know where it goes. If you want, you can come with me and I can just leave it inside. It's for one of the, the maintenance sheds. We can just go and I can just make sure it's in there and safe. And then that way, if whoever uh, needs it, has access to that building, they can go get it. Well, if you could just point me in the right direction, I'm actually supposed to, I'm kind of a little bit responsible for this, so as nice as you are, Grace, I just, 
you know, I wouldn't, I, it wouldn't really sit right with me unless I kind of did it first hand. You can come with me for sure. That's fine. Yes, yes. I, I just because I do work here. Of course, of course, of course, yeah. of course. So Grace is gonna come with you to the maintenance shed. So what are you gonna do when you can't get your drugs? Like I don't want, I don't want to like get involved necessarily. Yep. But wanna, I wanna find some hot goss. <laughs> yes, that I think is hitting the streets. Name who you're going to and roll with their faction. Yeah, something. I don't know who I'm going to. Who do I know? So I think your concept there is like you need to talk to someone who knows what's going on with the night faction. Yeah. Um, do you know anyone like that? Would the werewolf bike shop guy know? Werewolf bike shop guy might know. It's a six. You can still mark night, I guess, because you made a faction move. On a miss... It's not going to really pan out for you. You roll up to uh, Calvin's uh, bike shop. Normally, he kind of is always excited to check out your your ride and see what's going on if you need a tune-up or whatever. But this time when you get there, you see him inside his little, like, shop house, and he's um, looking kind of glum. He's reading the newspaper, and you can see that he has this kind of gloomy expression. When you, like, uh, roar into his little garage, he um, only kind of reluctantly looks up from the newspaper, and he shuffles forward with crossed arms, and he says... Uh, are you, is he know you as Simon or Susan? Simon, bike, motorcycles are for Simon? Yes. Okay, Calvin kind of shuffles forward and he says, Hey, Cy. Hey, you look down? Yeah, I don't know if you heard, but uh, I'm not, I've not been doing so hot lately. What seems to be the problem? Well, it's, um, it's my brother, Alan. He's, uh, I ain't seen him for a couple of weeks. Tried going to the cops, but uh, they said they couldn't find nothing, and I don't know, seems like no one's really caring much or trying very hard to figure out what could have happened to him, and it sort of got me a little on edge. Do you need help with your bike? No. I was in the market for some stuff, and there's no stuff, and I was kind of wondering if anybody knew what had happened to it. Do you know anything about Sunshine? Uh, he he uh, coughs in surprise and he says, uh, Jeepers, I didn't take you for uh, a user. You seem a little bit smarter than that to me. Full of surprises. Well, uh, no, I uh, I understand why you might come to me, but, uh, you know, living out here in the West End, I try to not stick my nose in the docks business too much. It doesn't really benefit me. I like to keep my uh, my nose clean, focus on bikes. Yeah, I wish I could be more helpful, but uh, I can't. Hmm. And you said your your brother is missing? Yeah, Alan. Alan. I don't know, did you ever meet him? Did I? Face to a name? So roll with, uh, he's in wild, actually. Nope. <laughs> That's a four. On a miss, you don't know them or you owe them. And uh, you don't owe Alan but the reason why you can't really do much about the situation is that you know that Alan lives with uh, Roman, who you're already gonna kind of be in trouble with if you don't give her the drug she wants. So that's just kind of a bit of a dead end for you, unfortunately. All right, well, uh, sorry to bother you. I'll maybe come around next week for, for uh, a tune-up. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, good day. Take care. Shuffles back into his little garage booth. Very sad werewolf mechanic. Kitty, do you have any like intentions in the park? I would like to ask 
Philip. How are things going at work lately? You are sitting on a nice uh, picnic blanket spread out just on the shore of the pond in Fairmont Park. Betty is sort of listlessly feeding the ducks. She's more just seeing uh, if she can get away with throwing like bread at their faces with anyone really noticing. So you and Philip have like kind of a moment to yourselves and Philip says, um, well, uh, it's um, very busy, of course, every day in the mayor's office. It's uh, not always the easiest job, but I like to think I'm doing pretty well for myself. Uh, you know, Mayor Graham is uh, really excited for the upcoming exhibition in the summer. I'm, I'm helping with a lot of logistics of that. Uh, he seems like he's um, trying to, like, calm you down, but he's not, like, super enthusiastic or excited. Seems like something's maybe troubling him. What is his job? Philip is, we'll just say, like, a staffer in the mayor's office. Okay. So, like, a variety of administrative and logistic jobs. He has worked in, like, the offices of many city councillors, and then when Mayor Graham was elected, he applied to work in her office. One of the things that Jory has talked about is, like, her character having vision, specifically trying to, like, use her oracle powers to ensure Philip's, like, political success. So I think that you were the one who kind of, like, coached him to try to take the gap from working in a city council's office to applying to work in a mayor's office and, like, what kind of strategies he should employ, who he should contact there. So you kind of really helped him secure this position. And it seems like he's doing mostly well for himself. He doesn't talk like he has, like, doing an exceptional job or is, like, getting super close to the mayor or any of his sort of, like, political goals. But he, you know, also isn't fired. What do I know of his, like, aspirations? He would like to be deputy mayor. Okay. Well, what is going on with the exhibition? Like, how is the, how is the planning going? Uh, uh, pretty well. Mayor Graham has left a lot of it in my hands because she's um, got a lot of exciting new uh, schemes that she's working on. She's um, set the construction to Lennox Spire at a near double pace because she's, of course, hoping to get it finished before her term is complete. So I've been doing a lot of the venue booking. It's, frankly, Kitty, a lot of work that you might be familiar with. It's almost like throwing a large party. Well, I do love to throw a large party. Yes. Uh, perhaps you can give me some tips on uh, drapes or whatever you sort of... Um... I'm sure you know by now it's much more than drapes. And, and canapes, of course. And I drank. Yes, you have to keep your guests fed. You need to worry about where, where's your venue? What catering service are you going with? There's a lot of money on the line, dear. Yes, those are the exact kind of tips I need. And of course, uh, if you had any uh, additional information, that might be uh, uh, very helpful. But um, I don't want to talk about work too much. I'm here with my honey in the park on a beautiful afternoon. The last thing I want to think about is a boring old job like that. Uh, just look at this beautiful nature all around us. It surely is a, a balm to the soul. And that's when you hear a scream nearby. Two people standing at the entrance to a maintenance shed not far from the park have just unlocked and opened the door, and the woman has let out a short, sharp scream and then covered her mouth. Camera pan to what that is, which is you two. Walking over to this maintenance shed, Knox and Grace of the uh, Naturalist Society, she leads you to this unmarked metal door and she says, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's uh, this right here. I open it. It's not really that worth a scream, it's just kind of dramatic. There is a long kind of, it's like a, it's a, it is a maintenance shed, that part is true. There's a long countertop against one wall and you can see that tacked up to the walls of this shed are a lot of handwritten note pages. 
on the countertop is a bizarre instrument that is like a, a big metal box that's attached through a length of wire to a sort of satellite dish shaped concave piece. As well, something that catches your eye in the corner of the countertop is a long white, uh, it looks like almost like a quartz crystal. It's about the size and shape of a carrot, approximately. Less delicious. She's screaming because these like notes feature a lot of illustrations of like demons and monsters and creatures. There's like maps of the park that someone has like written over a bunch and it just looks like someone's been having some like intense times in this shed. Okay. Says, oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't think anyone was using this for their artwork. Do you know what this is? Are you, did you do this? No, I have no idea what this is. I'm I'm gonna just start looking around, walk in and start trying to- Perhaps we should just leave the key and and let your friend uh, acquire it as they wish. Uh, I'm just gonna keep looking. I feel like this is justifiable if it's supposed to be like shocking enough that I'm just like taking it in and so I'm pretending to not hear her while I am trying to get as much of this information as possible. Sure. She like half wants to leave but is also half like I wonder what's going on here and like a third like I think I should tell Susan about this. So she comes in with you and then she decides to like shut the door behind you quickly. Do you do you recognize any of these things? What is this curious machine? I have I have no idea. I mean, I'm as lost as you are. Do you not ever come in this shed? I personally don't. I think we sometimes use it for the vegetable garden, but we're not even into planting this season yet, so no one's been in here probably at least since the fall or maybe longer. I don't know. I thought you said you didn't know this guy, Grace. I don't. I, I swear it. Well, clearly he comes in all the time. You seem to have no idea who this is. Where did you get this key? Whoever, uh, oh, whoever did this, I just got the key from some random guy and he said to come give it to this older gentleman and here I am. Well, I have to say that's not a very satisfying story, Mr. Knox. Is there something perhaps you're not telling me? Yeah, there's lots I'm not telling you. Oh, well, that's certainly one thing to say to make a lady feel comfortable in a small room with a stranger. Well, then leave. I'd ask you to leave. This is natural society property, sir. Okay, well, I'm sure that, you know, you're going to want all the nice passerbys of this park to know that you got... I mean, I don't even know what... I mean, demonic rituals happening right in there, 500 yards from where kids play? That is compelling to her. She knows that keeping the Natural Society's work secret above all else is uh, paramount. And she crosses her arms and she says, Fine, we both know it would be best if... What we saw in here stayed in here. What do you propose? Like I said, I just wanted to come drop off the key, but now I'm a bit interested in what's going on here and what I've gotten entangled in. So you're going to let me have a look around, and then I'll leave the key, as we said we were going to do, and I'll walk away, and then you can do whatever you like. So be it. She uh, crosses her arms and stands in front of the closed door and watches you survey the place. What does the place hold? Okay, so basically these notes are documentations on demons in the park, right? Sure. They almost seem, you don't know this, but conceptually they seem kind of to like parallel the research that Susan has been doing. Some other entity is also interested in the increase in demon activity in the park. You see drawings that resemble like the imp that you saw the night before. You see maps that suggest that like activity is increasing along the eastern border. Someone else is eager to know why demons are so hopped up these days. You also find a matchbook 
which kind of links up with the cigarettes that you found in the guy's jacket pocket. It's for a bar downtown called The Last Hurrah. Uh, is there anything here that would incriminate this society? Grace's story, which is true, is that she hasn't been in here in months and she had no idea that any of this stuff was in here. Mm-hmm. None of this stuff is like officially associated with the natural society. It's not like on their paper. It's like someone else was just using this building as like a place of operations. So the only incriminating thing is like the idea that this stuff is here, which like I guess the society could say like, we don't know why there's demon stuff in this building, but that doesn't look great for them either. Do you know what I mean? I just assume they're going to strip it all away. They would like to, as soon as you're gone, strip it all away and like bring it to the archives to examine it. So that's everything. Like, is that like a cursory examination or like if I start overturning things? Not a huge room. Okay. So it's like what you presented is what is everything I'm going to find. Yeah. You okay. could learn more from like studying the notes for a sure, longer sure, period of time. Sure, sure, but, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially for this being like a mystery story and for like me having lots of like clues to give you. If there's like a clue and you say I search the room, okay. I'm going to give you the clue. Okay. Uh, there's no perception checks in this game, right? Well, I'm going to take at least one of these papers with me. Okay. Are you going to try to do it like sneakily so Grace doesn't look or are you going to try to just like, hey, I'm taking this? Hey, I'm taking this. What's okay. she, what, what she going to do? Scowl. Yeah. This whole uh, thing on the ground, uh, I have no idea what it is, sure. This, the machine? Yes. No. It would. You would have to like really, you could probably find that there are like notes in here relating to it, but they're like a little bit esoteric, a little technical. You would again need to like. How easy would that be to take? Without her noticing? No, again, I'll just take it. I feel like I can take anything in this room and she can't say anything, so. If you start to like pick it up, she's going to like put her hand and she says, I think that should stay here. I think it should not stay here. I wasn't asking for your opinion. And I wasn't asking for your permission. And I take it. And I try and go past it. She moves to block the door. Okay. Look, Grace, I want this to <laughs> I want this to not be a problem as much as you do. I know a guy that I think can have a look at this, maybe get back to us, let us know what it is. I can bring it back tomorrow. That's a move, right? That's persuade and You can try to persuade. It's gonna be tricky. Being a little rude to old Gracie Grace. Uh, 12. Okay. Here's Grace's play. Okay. She reaches into her purse and she pulls out a small camera and she whips off the lens cap and before you can like try to block yourself, she takes a full picture of your like face and body holding this device. And she stuffs the camera back into her purse and she buckles it real tight. And then she pushes the door open and stands inside to let you out. And she says, I've got my eye on you, Mr. Knox. I know you might think I'm just a, a naturalist, but, well, I am a naturalist. And I'm here to protect this park from everyone who means it harm. You know, this is your shed. Yes. All right. Well, then we'll reconvene at a later date. Tomorrow. Right. I said tomorrow, didn't I? You said tomorrow. Tomorrow it is, Grace. She uh, lets you leave, and then she <laughs> shuts the shed behind you, and you can see her through the window, kind of standing in the middle, looking um, upset and trying to figure out how to uh, best proceed. And you are holding this, like, big, wacky machine. A couple of people are kind of, like, glancing over at the shed because a woman, like, screamed, and then you both went in for, like, ten minutes. Um, but she wasn't, like, continuing to scream. It was more like a startled scream, so no one's, like, trying to stop you. 
Kitty, you see a, a man in a bolo tie, and your heart stops. It's a man in a bolo tie. No, but do we want to talk about Kitty having a vision of Knox? Before we started playing, we discussed uh, the debts that are built into our character archetypes, and mm-hmm. one of Kitty's, or one of the oracles, is I've had a dire prophecy about someone, and I don't know how to help them yet. And you decided you wanted that to be about Knox, but we were still kind of fine-tuning the details. Yes. So I think one of the details we did land on, or Jordan and I discussed, was that in the vision I see his demon form, so that I wouldn't initially recognize him as the person who was in the prophecy. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that makes it harder for me to get your character. That's what to I was going to say. Yes. However. It's cool. It's cool. I can work with it. Well, I also don't want you to, like, come with a prophetic vision on the spot right now and then have to, like, figure out what that means. Like, we yeah. can, we'll can, we continue to sit on it, I guess. What I say is that, what I say, Kitty, um, is that you have an uncomfortable feeling of, like, deja vu or nostalgia as you see this man, this bolo tie, his shock undercut of pure white hair, and he's carrying this bizarre device, and he's sort of looking around furtively like, I hope no one notices me carrying this big, weird Luigi's Mansion backpack out of this shed. And he makes a beeline for the edge of the park. Hmm. Philip. Yes? You see that unfashionable boy with the white hair? Bolo ties haven't been smart for years. Have we? Do you recognize him? Has he ever done any work for us, or? Philip squints his eyes, and he says... I hate to say it, but he just looks like another fair side nut cake to me. Look at his hair. <laughs> That's one hell of a bleach job. <laughs> he, he must go through a bottle a week the way he's got that thing. Okay, blowing. guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's My natural. aunt Wilma didn't have hair like that, and she lived to 99. <laughs> Betty stops harassing the wildlife, and she saunters back over to you loudly and rudely, <laughs> gossiping about this white haired man who's leaving the shed. Oh, that's Knox. Knox? Yeah, he's in a band. I've seen his, I, well, I mean, I've heard, like my friends have heard his band play, so. Hmm. Are they any good? No. <laughs> I want to say canonic, canon, canonically, I want to say canonically that Knox is not great, but um, Nat and Jackson are excellent. So at so bare minimum, yeah. we're okay. <laughs> if not good, not great. Why do they keep you around? They're childhood friends. I don't know. Just yeah. You're in love with one of them. We, we have just have a strong bond. What did it? I bet. <laughs> I bet you do. And I work hard. I bet you do. And um, they let you use the cafe to rehearse at night. <laughs> I, okay, I said my piece. Okay, <laughs> so can we redact what just was said about my band, please? <laughs> You say, are they any good? And Betty says, they're pretty good. They need to tighten up their guitar, though. Thank you. Why are you so upset about him? He looks familiar. Ah, where does he play? Tends to play the hardware when he can get a gig. What are your friends doing at the hardware store, Betty? I know someone who happens to be a waitress there, and she got a job there because she had to... Her mom's really sick. She had to get a job. So, like, a lot of judgment coming your way kitty all right that's fine it's just i don't want you hanging out places like that well i i haven't even been there i just heard about that or whatever so all right all right i i trust you (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think you need to confront Knox right now. But you, if you ever want to see him, you know he plays at hardware often. Sue Simon, Saisuman, Suzaman, Digimon, Simon, what are you doing? You're having a rotten day and like everything you're trying to do is like miserably failing. So Simon uh, ditches the motorcycle at home, Susan lets her hair down, and uh, heads into the park to review her notes from last night because nothing's adding up and everything's a mess. When you get to the Naturalist Society, you find your little nook has been overtaken by Grace, who is in like a huge tizzy. And she's called up the gals, and Nancy and Joan are there, and Dorothy's fallen asleep next to the radiator. And Grace says, um, hi, Susan. Hello. There's been a bit of a development. You know the maintenance shed by the pond in the north end? Mm-hmm. A young man came by today, and she describes Knox, who you absolutely recognize. Oh, really now? Um, he had a key to the maintenance shed, and he said he was trying to return it. His story didn't make a lot of sense, so I, I remembered your teaching, and I trailed him. I trailed him to the, to the shed. Good work. And, uh, well, when we went inside, we found, um, this. And she has unpanned and collected a huge sheaf of, like, demonology drawings and notes, on top of which is, like, a large, uh, white quartz crystal. And she says, there's one other thing. There was a strange contraption inside the shed, and, uh, Mr. Knox, um, is very keen on taking it for himself. I thought about doing the self-defense techniques you taught me, but... Susan, I just didn't know what to do. I, I panicked. That's all right. I think, uh, well, we have a wealth of resources now, and Knox and I have a mutual friend, so I can get in touch, because I certainly have questions. He said he'd come back tomorrow, but uh, I didn't believe him. So I, I took a photo of him holding it, in case that might come in handy. So smart. Yeah, do any of these documents... None of them will, but do any of them look like Knox's demon form? That's no. the thing I saw. No, you described the demon you were hunting last night, and um, a, a cursory glance reveals nothing that points to that. Yeah, what's, like, interesting and good? Roman could show up. Sure, yeah. I do spend, like, also time in the, like, a lot of time in the park. I could have feasibly, like, seen you come into the park and been, like, great timing. Yeah. Just come back. Um, so you finish your reading. Susan. Roman? We, uh, we didn't get to catch up yesterday. No, we did not. I'm just having a bit of, you know, uh, boy troubles. Could you come give me some advice? <laughs> Is that the code you use? <laughs> she usually doesn't have a code, just being very weird. <laughs> just this way. We find a quiet nook. Susan's like, I know how to do this. I am a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go we go into like the closet with the taxidermy like birds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the taxidermy bird closet that every viable naturalist society has. Yeah. Gross. Uh, you know that this space is a little creepy, right? My office is full. Okay, anyway, um, I, I'm gonna need, like, at least double, so... And I put the stack of cash in your hand. I raise my hands. Hey, like, I can't. Yeah, uh, I know, sorry, I know. Usually you want me to wait till you're Simon, but... N no, no, that's not, um... 
Bad news. Don't mean to rain on your parade, but uh, I anticipated that this might happen when I saw you yesterday, and you're not gonna like this, but just out with it, th please. There is no sunshine in the foreseeable uh, seven-day forecast. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's you being funny, like uh, you're doing a little weather pun, or if you really mean that there's nothing for a week. Well, I don't. I don't know the time, but uh, I went to inquire. There, there was no product. We don't know why there's no product. There's just nothing. Okay, Susan, I like you, so I'm gonna try to preserve this relationship with you. What did they say when you presumably went to the dock and told them people need this? Everybody understands that there is a need and there is a demand, but for whatever reason, there is nothing in production and I don't know why, and I'm trying to figure out why, because I don't want to be in hot water. Hmm. So out of character, there's three, three ways this could go. I kill you. <laughs> I, I kill fuck you. you. <laughs> I fucking kill you. Um. How do you guys roleplay? That's what I do. <laughs> We can, you can owe me a debt for not having it? Is that how it works? I can owe you a debt if you can scrape some up, or we can find this together. So how do you feel? You already owe me for your drugs because they get me in trouble, and this is them getting me in trouble. True, true. <laughs> I'm doing what I can to figure it out and, you know, investigate, but I do also have... Other concerns, like last night, for example. We, you and me, both in hot water here. You know, it's not even for me most of the time. Uh, so I'm gonna help you. We're gonna, we're gonna solve this together. Great. Consider me your sidekick. Um, Delightful. <laughs> so you head out of this closet and it's like maybe like set a rendezvous, like we'll chat about this tomorrow, we'll make a plan. Team drugs. <laughs> yes. I think we're gonna wrap up soon. I'd like to do one quick thing with Kitty. How often do you induce visions? Because the character notes you gave me are like, my mother taught me how to like induce visions to like deliberately like soothe say. These days it's when I'm wanting to help Philip or I have a specific goal in mind. So right now, I do think I want to help Philip. He okay. seems a little downtrodden in his work. I want to help him out. So I don't know. I don't do it like weekly. I do it as necessary. Okay. But you seem like you want to do it now. Yes. Okay. It's like Sunday night. You've like made the roast or whatever. And like everyone's cleaned up. Philip is like falling asleep on the couch and Betty's like, sneaking out the chain window. Chain smoking or whatever, yeah. You have, um, you have this, like, beautiful, big, like, penthouse apartment. Didn't really talk about it. This modernist furniture, these, like, really nice, like, Second Empire couches. You're kind of, like, rustling around it in these, like, crinoline skirts and these, like, beautiful little blouses. You, now that everyone's sort of uh, content for the night, slip into your ensuite bathroom and you draw the door shut behind you. Maybe you, like, run a little bit of cool water on the tap because the 
noise kind of, you know, like white noise kind of helps you get into that place. And it, maybe if you make any sounds, it helps cover it up. So you're gazing into the mirror and you, from around your neck, withdraw this little locket. It has a stopper or like a latch or whatever. Um, it opens and you can smell the mingling of, it was lavender and thyme, right? Yes. The mingling of the lavender and thyme, the sort of sacred herbs that your mother taught you were important for inducing these visions and you turn the lights down light a candle put on lizzo um, and kind of gaze into the mirror and breathe deeply in these scents until the surface of the mirror starts to like warp and reflect and shear and shake until you're not looking at your own reflection anymore usually when you do this you try to sort of think thoughts of philip (laughs) and just sort of like say like put that like mental energy out it's like when you want to like dream about a certain thing and you're going to bed and you're like i want to dream about this and when you look into the mirror it's almost like you're looking in the mirror and philip's looking back at you and he's scowling and he looks um furiously angry as the sort of view of the vision pulls out again philip's body starts to change and his head sprouts a multitude of spikes. His uh, hands become long, bony claws, almost like a chitinous exoskeleton. And his skin is covered in like heavy rock-like plates. And it's no longer Philip at all. It's this uh, furious-looking sort of um, creature that you've never seen before. And yet, at the same time, somehow twigs something in your brain and is like, I know you from some other day, from some other time. And you see this demon. He's standing in the middle of a building that you don't recognize. It looks like a a modern building somewhere, probably in Fairside. You can see the trees of the park outside of a high window. And you can see that he is standing, blood dripping down his claws over a dead body that's slumped on the ground face down and you can't make out who it is and all around him the timbers and beams of this building are burning up and huge chunks of brick and masonry are tumbling from the roof surrounding him and he's looking up and he's laughing with maniac demonic glee as this uh, figure on the ground bleeds out and the building around him burns to ashes thanks for listening to episode two of this campaign We are excited to be jumping into Urban Shadows, getting messy, and figuring out all of its tricks and secrets. There are lots of mysteries in store, so keep listening. If you want to learn more about the show, check out our socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at TheRealmsCast, and transcripts and other information are available at TheRealmsCast.com. If you want to support the making of this show, on which we lavish a lot of our personal time and money, you can support us at Patreon.com slash TheRealmsCast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Many Realms. Do little 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 little